This year's donations might go to, say, the geology department. Oh dear, not the dirt people. Geology is the study of pressure and time. That's all it takes, really. What kind of activity has turned the lake massive? Look, I'm just a geologist. I like rocks. I love rocks. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Geology Flannel Cast. My name is Steve. Hey, everybody, this is Chris. Good evening, and welcome. I am Jesse. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to the premier <laughs> geology podcast, the I Geology Flannel Cast. Yeah, busting into November. Can you believe it? It's November already. Oh, man, I'm not ready. No. I'm ready for winter. Winter is my season. Late oh. fall. All of winter. Yeah, it is, it is crisp outside now. Yeah. It's like beautiful. I love it. It is. <clears throat> yeah, it's perfect. Yeah. Humidity died down. It's like, yeah, oh, yeah. at least what's down it, for what's me. It, what's me, it in the upper, upper 70s now, Chris, for you? <laughs> no, no. It was cold. It was like in the 50s today. It was cold. Ooh, good gracious. Um, almost had to put on a jacket. Almost. Well, <laughs> we got a action-packed episode today for the the podcast kind of we're recording this on a friday night normally we do this on monday nights so it's a little a little different tonight i don't know yeah well um, also what's different the thornberg studios is in a new address yeah you want to tell everyone your new address Jesse? yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah send the cash to one two three <laughs> jesse boulevard <laughs> uh no jesse just moved so he had to uh we had a push things back because legit he he didn't he didn't have a place to podcast it is my fault yeah no i didn't have the internet for there for a little bit yeah and as we just discussed uh previously before we start recording you need the internet to do this yeah it's uh <laughs> i forgot about that yeah slight oversight uh, every time know. it will get you the internet darn yeah. you internet so but we have the internet today and we are happy to have jesse back connected to the metaverse, right? That's and I am. Yeah, I am in leading the, the metaverse computer. right now, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, we're all in the matrix, right? We are. Um, including today's topic, uh, <laughs> the we're going to talk about the Cascadia subduction zone today. Prove it. Um, I am over the next. <laughs> <laughs> 50 minutes or so. We'll, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I will prove it that we'll talk about this. So, um, yeah. You guys ever hear this uh, Cascadia subduction zone? I yeah. have. Nope. No. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're going out of our comfort zone a little bit. We're hitting West. Do another West Coast geology episode. Yes. So uh, I'll, I'll make it. I'll, I'll be pretty doom about it. Um, <clears throat> if the, the next when we think about major, major earthquakes, and this is where it's going to be. Ooh. People always think California, Southern California, uh, San yeah. Andreas. I think Alaska, but. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah I guess we're, you know, we're pretty attuned to it. But Cascadia, I feel like it, 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 it waxes and wanes and in, in sort of like people thinking about it. <clears throat> no, I agree. I'm right there with you. Yeah. Well, first off, before we, uh, before we get into this, I just want to say, uh, Shout out to a friend of the podcast, uh, Marjorie. She actually sent an email and, and suggested this topic. And I was like, you know what? This is a good topic to do. So we'll, uh, Sweet. we'll, 
Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll give this this one a dabble here. So, um, yeah. So uh, let's we should probably just start off with this one with uh, just some general background. What's what's going on here with the uh, the Ca- Cascadia uh, subduction zone? So it's it's located up in the uh, in the Pacific Northwest, Northwest uh, United States, a little bit of uh, Southwest Canada, and the subduction zone is about a uh, hundred kilometers uh, out in the Pacific Ocean, off off the off um, off the coast. And what we have tectonically, we have this plate called the Juan de Fuca plate, tiny little itsy bitsy plate, little little baby plate. Juan de Fuca. I mean, it's still a large area, but it's, it's tiny, so- tiny when it comes to. Uh- tectonic plates yeah uh especially compared to you know some of some of these bigger plates just a wee wee little lad and it is an oceanic plate and it's slamming up against uh the west coast of north america all right so i want to break in here already and go off off of our beautifully formatted outline but why is the wanda fuca plate such a small plate but you know does anybody know why it's this itty bitty, you know, thing hanging out there. It's crazy, right? Like I, I, I looked into this a little bit and, and it's just kind of just, I don't Has know. a chunk of it like already been subducted. So it used to be bigger. I don't know. That's it, as a thing. And, and I'm just throwing out a wild card, wild card. Here wild it comes. Card. <laughs> so, um, I'll, th- I'll throw, uh, while Chris looks into it, I'll throw out. Uh, do you know who Wanda Fuca is? Oh, oh, I do not know who Wanda. I do is. not know. That's it. I, man, I'm smacking myself right now for not knowing that. What? Uh, who, who is? Well, Senor Wanda Fuca. He. His real name is Ionis uh, Fucas. And he was Greek. Really? But he was um, the, the captain or the maritime pilot who served uh, Philip II, who was the king of Spain, in um, the late 1500s. Uh, and he is known for um, exploring the strait that now bears his name, the Strait of Juan de Fuca. That's between Vancouver Island and British Columbia. So he sort of explored uh, Vancouver Island, that strait, the Olympic Peninsula. Nice. That whole area. And uh, uh, some of our Patreons who were listening in chimed in and said uh, it's a remnant of the Farallon plate. So Jesse, yes, you were kind of correct in that just gonna most say of that. it subducted. Yeah, what's, there's another plate there too uh, that that is gone or is already subducted. Shoot, what's the name of it? What with the Fairlawn plate? There was another plate there as well. Hmm. We this talked is, about uh, this. Celestia? Maybe. Yeah. We did a whole episode on that one. We did but do a whole episode on that I one. I feel like, you know, we go to that that quiver a lot of yeah, it's a Fairlawn plates problem. <laughs> <laughs> it works. Let's just blame this on the Fairlawn plate. Yeah. So but yeah, Juan de Fuca. So part of the Farallon plate, this this crazy little uh, tectonic plate wreaking havoc out there in the Pacific Northwest. It's, I mean, Chris. yeah, it's the reason. Well, maybe we'll get to this. 
well, I'll save it for for later. Ooh. It's. I was just going to talk about the, the sort of the hazards you see on the Pacific Northwest compared to say Southern California. Is all a function of this little plate. Yeah, it's. I mean, so it all relates back to plate tectonics, right? Everything relates back to plate tectonics. So, if you believe in that sort of thing, it, yeah. We do you want to go there right now? No. Come <laughs> no. on, day it was continental so, drift. I'll but carry keep on. Geosyncline theories to myself. <laughs> yeah. Still, still holding on to that, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm honestly, I'm a Neptunist, but carry on. Ooh. So the Juan de Fuca plate uh, is subducting underneath. Uh, North America at a rate of about 40 millimeters a year or four millimeters a year. Um, well, actually 40 millimeters. Wait, before I, oh, actually, I see. <laughs> I was just going to say, you can't say 40 wait. millimeters or four millimeters. Oh, did I say four? I'd like to say seven. <laughs> so, okay. Well, I, I, there, there's a couple of, I, well, I've seen two different numbers. One, I saw 40, 40 millimeters a year. The other one I'm seeing 26 millimeters a year. So, so we can say between 40, 26 and 40. Do something yeah. anywhere from or between one, four four and two centimeters a year yeah there we go there one we go. to one and a half inches cool if, um, you, if you want to use imperial yes always usa usa <laughs> so uh this thing is is subducting underneath the the pacific northwest and kind of what jesse was saying this this is why we're getting uh, this is why we're getting the the volcanoes that we see in that uh, neck of the woods, like the Cascade Mountains. So the Cascade Mountains are all all volcanic, and it's it's related to it's, it's related to the subduction of that one. So you know, I know we t- I've, we've talked about this in, in previous episodes. Uh, I forget if we did it like on a, on a Patreon exclusive episode or if we did it on an actual episode for everyone but um when you look at the the cascade mountains it's, i was just looking at it the other day uh, the the cascade mountains like images they're pretty of them. they're good it's, yeah it's a good mountain range good good decent set of mountains there yeah yeah, yeah. going from uh northern california to uh to basically southern canada and they are in a, they're just in a straight line it's pretty crazy how lined up all these volcanoes are um it always, you know, I, I was, it's amazing. There, there's a straight line, and but that Mount St. Helens, yep. a little, a little well, not, too far. Not only are they lined up, but they're pretty far inland from the actual subduction zone, which yeah. is a function of angle, angle. of subduction. Yeah. Well, which would kind of make sense because when the Farallon plate subducted down. That was a super low angle subduction. Uh, always about the Farallon plate. <laughs> well, if it's a, a remnant of the Farallon plate, wouldn't you expect the? I guess. Just let it go. It's it's already gone. Just let the Farallon plate go. It was meant to be. Those that those God rest that do not soul. learn history are doomed to repeat it. Right. <laughs> if, it, if it was meant to be, it will abduct and uplift again. It will come back to the surface. <laughs> Zombie plates. Is that yeah. What Parallel plate to the the orogening. That's actually that. <laughs> that is okay. It's getting an R rating. Here's, here's here's your basis for the uh, for uh, crappy uh, like cheesy horror uh, like a natural disaster thriller movie. 
uh, uh, you know, these plates that are unsubducting to coming right back out. What would happen? Mm. Reverse volcanism. Live, don't live long. Inside, and in, inside out. <laughs> inside out. Long. Live short and don't prosper. I can I can picture like you know one of these like a B Hollywood actor like looking and being like it's a reverse volcano. We've never seen this. I could see like uh, oh man, I'm not gonna lie, you gave me chills. <laughs> <laughs> There we go. This we got we got ourselves a a script right here for a cheesy <laughs> movie. I would love to get like who's a like like David Arquette. I was just watching uh, the old Scream movies for for Halloween, wow. and I could imagine like David Arquette being you know I can see that being the lead for this. So if you're out there, if you know David Arquette, <laughs> send him our way. We'll write the script just for him. Okay. Um. So. Yeah. Uh, the Cascadia Fault, or that's or the the subduction zone, uh, was always was originally thought a little bit of history behind this was originally just thought as this like quiet area and it, the you know and then especially before plate tectonics, um, yeah like the the Pacific Northwest Seattle Portland like those those major cities up there don't don't really get rocked with the the earthquakes that you would see further down south especially along the San Andreas fault system so obviously different different type of setting there um, different you know different plates involved and whatnot so it was just always thought that it was uh, you know it was just kind of this like this this quiet zone and then they find out you know plate tectonics comes into play we learn all this fun stuff about that and then um, uh, and then they find out like oh no this thing is is <laughs> this thing's this thing can pack a punch. So the last, the last major earthquake that occurred along the the um, along this uh, the Cascadia subduction zone was in like the year, like 1700. So it's been over 300 years, and if you look at the the cyclicity behind what uh, what geologists have kind of reverse uh, or have uh, you know uh, con- reconstructed the uh, uniformitarianism. Uh, <laughs> Oh yeah, I guess. I mean, what? The past is the key to the future. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, the the, the yes. present is the key to the past, and the past is the key to the future. Yes. So they found like historically, <laughs> whatever Steve said, close enough. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Jesse was totally wrong. Steve said it right. <laughs> I'm kidding. So, Jesse said it right. <laughs> If you look at the the history behind the the this, the Cascadia subduction zone, there's been earthquakes that are you know have been estimated to be about 9.0, and that's that's about the the that's the fear that's what's predicted could rupture or could occur at the Cascadia subduction zone. So, 9.0 earthquake would not be a fun experience for. Well, for anyone really, uh, and this is particularly dangerous because where the earthquake would occur would be underwater, right? And at these subduction zones here in, it's particularly they're particularly prone to tsunamis, and that's you know, honestly, to me, I mean, it, this is kind of just an opinion, but the tsunamis to me are the, the scariest natural disasters that uh, that could occur. Right. And just, just to be clear, so the, the earthquake occurs underwater 
and you have this displacement where one one chunk of earth moves up relative to another or one chunk of earth moves down relative to one another so then you're pushing up this giant wave or you're pulling down all this water and you're you're creating this big wave uh so not only do you have the earthquake the shaking and all that stuff but then you're displacing this water which then is sending out the you're essentially throwing chucking this rock into the pond if you will but imagine it's a gigantic rock and then it's going to send this wave essentially radiating in every direction but the people who are closest or the land that is closest is going to be the most effective uh-huh. and this is you know <clears throat> why when we think about i mean subduction zone earthquakes are, are produce the largest earthquakes on you know the top whatever five largest earthquakes in recorded history are all subduction zones number uh, one think your, your number one is chile chile it's 9.4 in 1962 yeah. so, two years later two years later in 64 alaska with a nine yeah. nine nine two right yeah, yeah. Something right around yeah and then, it's over nine yeah and then is it japan uh, it's either Japan or Indonesia. I think Japan was number. Well, it's either Japan or Indonesia. Yeah. Um, for three and four, and they're all subduction zones. All yeah, all of them are all where you all have subduction um, zones. I mean, especially, you know, so, so when you think about subduction zones versus the, the West Coast, I feel like a lot of focus is always on the San Andreas Fault. And it, it, you know, with reason, because the, the, the risk of, you know, there's the hazard there of earthquakes. And so there's a big risk because it's so populated, mm-hmm. but you'll never have a tsunami associated with that region because it's, it's a transform fault. So it's moving side to side and the majority of it is on land. So you're not going to displace any water. You're not going to, you know create the ripples as steve uh-huh. was saying right i mean you could you could have a little bit of a mass yeah. wasting event like a landslide or yep. something but it's not going to be anywhere the magnitude of say like the fukushima daiichi no and that, you know. that is and there is you know it kind of once you got up past um san francisco and the golden gate it does shoot off into the water and so yeah you can you can disrupt things and there is there is some thought that <clears throat> off the coast especially of like um parts of california the shelf drops off really quickly and so if the shaking is great enough it could yeah create a landslide or underwater i guess it'd be a turbidite um which could generate a tsunami and that is a real threat but it's i think much the probability is much lower compared to say i'm I'm sure that any tsunami generated from an underwater landslide yeah, it's not that magnitude, great. right? From, and if you want to learn is, more about turbidites, you can check out episode twenty-four. Ooh, old school, twenty fifteen. Yeah, I remember that one. It was one of my favorites. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I badmouthed Bowen in that one, and I feel bad about it. Um, I've grown a now lot. Now that you brought it back up, that's you know you could have just let it just go off into the archives. And just... <laughs> I was just feeling a little frisky, and I didn't really mean it. 
<laughs> Sorry, Bowen. <laughs> Wait, Bowen, you mean Balma? Balma, yeah. Balma, yeah. yeah. Good old Arma, Arnold Balma. Now you're, now you're bad-mouthing Norwin Bowen. Bowen. Oh, and, dead, yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So the, the main thing is with these subduction zones, what ends up happening is it's as the, the oceanic. So we, okay. Like, let's go back to basics and this is like super fundamental stuff here, but just, you know, for, so that everybody listening along is, uh, knows what we're talking about here. When you have oceanic crust claw or slamming into continental crust, the oceanic crust is more dense and it gets shoved down underneath the continental crust. So we call that subduction. So if you didn't know what the word subduction meant, so we, geez, we've been using that now for the last whatever, 15, 20 minutes or so. I should, <laughs> probably should have defined subduction a little sooner. But um, so that's what happens. Uh, that, that's what it means. So the oceanic crust is getting pulled down and shoved underneath the, the continental crust there. And so what can happen is it can kind of pull down the continental crust just a, kind of a little bit right at that that collision zone and then during these earthquakes when you do get the the movement occurring that continental crust can kind of like boom kind of shimmy like get pushed back up and it's when it gets pushed back up that's the, that causes that bulge in that water and then cause you know the displacement and then you get your tsunami wave rushing out at like 800 kilometers an hour these things move really 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 fast in the open in the open deep ocean so, um, so when the, uh, the other thing about the, uh, the Cascadia, um, subduction zone is that it's about a thousand, I forget that did we already say that it's about a uh, thousand kilometers long. If we, if we didn't already say that, then uh, I mean, we, we yeah, said yeah. it stretched from here to yeah. here, but yeah, yeah, know, we, we didn't, yeah. we didn't put a, a kilometer length on it. Yeah. So, all right. So, so let's, uh, the, the main thing that's going to happen, well, let's do this. Instead of saying, let's go by, let's go in chronological order. So if this thing rips, what's going to happen? Well, first you have your earthquake occurring, right? And uh, interestingly enough, what do you, let me see what you guys think about this. Uh, I was watching, I was doing, you know, when I was doing a little bit of research on this topic before um, earlier today, uh, someone said that as the, uh, watching this youtube video about oh, it and i'm already so i was skeptical before you said youtube <laughs> now i'm super skeptical well what do you guys think about this so with all this like social media stuff you know and like everybody's glued to twitter and things like that um it's gonna uh the the um the people like directly on the west coast will obviously the seismic waves will hit them first like you'll then, have warning You'll have, yeah, you'll have a, a little bit of warning before it actually hits like Seattle, for example. So there'll be, they were saying like, you will see on social media, people saying, oh, there's shaking happening right now. We're getting an earthquake and, and the people in Seattle should have a, a little bit that could potentially give them a little bit of warning. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I'm kind and of like on the fence, like, no, uh, I mean, in, oh, Japan, I mean could. in Japan and in uh, LA and things like, like they're, they're alert systems that'll alert you like yeah you have to buy in you just have to say like yes i agree to this and they they tell you when they're shaking so even if it's if it's on the trench and whatever seattle is however hundred hundreds of kilometers away like what's the travel the travel time is pretty what would you get like 30 seconds yeah 
That's they're saying you get like a couple, you couple get under maybe, a table. I guess. Maybe exactly. You, yeah. you, but but think of it from a think of it from a logistic standpoint of, say, uh, the city, the county. Whatever. Oh, yeah. Like you could, you could you could turn every red light red. You could stop every train. You shut could off the gas. Turn off all the gas means you could turn off all the water means like you, you could you could get ahead of it like in 30 seconds. It's not a lot of time, but you could you could do a lot. And that's I'm pretty sure uh, the story I've always heard is that it that happens in um, Japan now where when there's a seismic event like their response is pretty immediate, like all the subway cars in the re- area stop all the gas lines like shut off and they, they might shut off the power, too. And it's because of um Kobe with the Kobe earthquake in 1997, 95. Yeah. In the nineties, the mid nineties, because, you know, Japan is probably the most prepared place on earth for an earthquake. Right. Uh Yeah. Um, And so like the buildings were fine, but the problem they ran into with that earthquake was that a fire broke out. 1995. Sorry. And it, it no perfect. Um, it happened like it was like four in the morning too, so it was like right at like the worst time, like everyone was asleep. But it was gas lines ruptured and power lines were knocked down, and that's how you, that's the main way you start fires during earthquakes, is you get a a, a spark from um the power line going down and you know, it ignites these broken gas lines. Yep. And so, yeah, if you had 30 seconds to shut all that down, yeah. Might, might yeah, I, your- yeah. Yeah. They said equivalent of 70 U.S. city blocks were destroyed. True. Yeah. I have uh, one of one of my best friends grew up in Cope Bay and was in that earthquake, slept through it. His mom had to wake him up. Oh, nice. He would have, he would have slept through the whole earthquake. That's incredible. <laughs> I, I can't. It, right. Is it? No, I can't believe you have a friend. Uh, (laughs) All right. Peterson won. I'll give him that. Uh, No crickets on that one, huh? No, that was that was that was your diamond in the rough right there. Don't don't get used to it, all right? (laughs) Even a blind squirrel finds a nut once in a while, right? Nice. All right. Um so uh, the other thing that I was I was um, I found out when I was researching this topic is if it is a 9.0 that rips at the subduction zone, by the way, Seattle's 280, 275 kilometers away from the subduction zone, All just right. with a quick measurement I just did off of Google Earth just now. Um, by the time that the, the seismic waves hit Seattle, it will um, it'll hit Seattle at about with a magnitude of between like six and seven is what the predictions are. So Seattle won't get Which rocked is, with the nine, but, but a, a six, six or seven, seven is still seven, huge. So it's still it can do. And then the thing is, oh, we had. I was gonna say. Uh, I mean, I'm, it's huge, but it's not as devastating. No, as, no, because uh, it's not Seattle, as devastating as a nine point oh. No, Seattle, I mean, the Nisqually quake, um, just butchered that, Um, which was the epicenter was south of Seattle, between Seattle and Olympia was 6.8. That was in 2001. 
I mean, it did a lot of damage, but it, it wasn't as bad. I mean, you know, they, they've got building codes in place and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I'd be and, interested. Uh, do you think a 9.0 would trigger a volcanic eruption? Well, now you're getting. If we're if we're going to get into disaster movies about um, this, let's do this. <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna be a, a earthquake, a tsunami, and a volcanic eruption. Well, if you have all right, so oh man, would you get pyroclastic flows? Yeah, because if you have like sort of like Mount Mount Saint Helens or whatever, you see like when the um the fear is when that uh that right that that granite dome that's building that thing breaks, it could release a pyroclastic flow, and would that potentially happen with the? I don't know. Uh, what if that. the pyroclastic flow runs into the tsunami? What sort of geologic deposit would that make? That just that would. I don't know. I think dogs and cats <laughs> would start getting along at that point. It would, it would uh, go one way or the cool. other. It would be a super tsunami or a super pyroclastic flow. I like it. Uh, or or would really cool. would Our, they get, negate each other and nothing nothing would show up? Ooh. Everything would just reverse and they go back to the uh, reverse <laughs> volcano. Right? Reverse volcano. We're back to our p- movie plot. <laughs> so, uh, our uh, friend of the podcast, Kristen, just uh, she just chimed in. She said that the USGS tracks earthquakes using Twitter, and basically, if everybody immediately starts saying that there's an earthquake, uh, or there, if if there's an increase in tweets with the word earthquake or whatever. Um, they can they'll they'll start tracking them. They can use um they'll use that. It's called the uh, the tweet earthquake dispatch. Yes, that's pretty and, cool. I, I didn't actually did I didn't know about that. And no, actually, that's in, awesome. In Southern California, uh, the Google has an opt in where. Oh yeah, you can, they they can uh, watch your data. Yeah, to, no, they can they the can wave. uh track your accelerometer on your phone. So if your phone yeah, yeah. starts shaking. And you opted, you have to opt in. So it's not like some sort of like big brother kind of thing. But like if, if you opted into this thing, uh, your phone, if it starts shaking via your accelerometer, that data gets propagated out and, and can actually help save lives too. So, wow. And uh, yes, Twitter tweets travel faster than seismic waves do. Huh. Um, I, I didn't know about that. I didn't know that they were they were doing that. That's that's really cool. That's really interesting. Uh, uh, it's a really interesting um, invention development uh, uh, innovation. innovation innovation. Yes, that's I like that. And, uh, and yeah, I, he, I would argue that it depends on your network connection. Depends on how fast well, your tweets go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, you're right. If it's if it's via what fiber the, optic cable, the then yes. What but. if the earthquake is really bad, and I, I'm just trying to think. I I, I don't know. W- w- what if the earthquake's really bad and it topples cell phone towers, and then yeah, you can't yeah, like because exactly. I remember because I was rips in up Virginia fiber optic lines when, or yeah, I I was in Virginia in 2011 for the the Mineral Virginia earthquake, and I remember after that happened, you couldn't make a cell phone, you couldn't make a call because all the all the um you know. What's cell phone towers, whatever. Uh, some of that has busy. to do with cell phone towers are down, and some of it has to do with like just the the volume, volume. of calls. Yeah. Well, People it's the volume, the volume. But if everybody is using, like, 
And I guess does, oh, that, have, does that work with mm. if it's a big quake and everybody yeah. starts using like, you know, like calling people up and using data, could it overwhelm the infrastructure of the of the cell phone system? That is a good call. You're probably correct. I don't know. I don't have an answer. It's just something I was just thinking about. So then hmm. what if it was a big enough quake, would it still hold up? Yeah. Uh like our Patreon. I don't think we're going to have an answer to this, but <laughs> our Patreon Maddie said we're just going to have to start singing uh, "Under Pressure" by Queen, and or we will rock you. Well, looks like. <laughs> well, that should be uh, we should that should be the the song we go out with every week. Yeah, now uh, that I think about it. I guess I'll um, just sign off now. <laughs> is Maddie saying he wants us to end right now? Yeah, that- I think I think that's it. <laughs> is that like some kind of passive aggressive jab right there? You know. <laughs> well, well, you peaked, boys. Time to end. Uh, it. I think we should. One thing to mention about these quakes too, like so the the two thousand one quake um, w- was was fairly shallow. It was it was thirty five miles, fifty seven kilometers. Um, depth matters here and, and depth is something that's going to in a subduction zone is something that can fluctuate depending on where the slip occurs because your depth changes so rapidly because the plate is literally sinking. So the further away from the trench, you know, the, the point at which the plate subducts at the surface, it, you know, as you move away from that plate, uh, the trench, the earthquakes will occur at, at greater depths. And what this, you know, plotting up these depths, just as a side story, <clears throat> was one of the ways in which we sort of pieced together was another line of evidence that plate tectonics was real, was that <clears throat> at these subduction zones, you could see as you move away from the trench, greater and greater depths for the earthquakes to show the plate was actually sinking. That was um, uh Watati and Benioff. Yep. Right. Yeah. What, what, and Benioff. Uh, yeah. When I, when I was, when I was learning, it was the Benioff zone. Yeah. And then it was updated to be the Watati and Benioff zone. Uh, yeah. You gotta give, gotta give credit where credit is due. A- absolutely. That's, um, yeah so yeah our other uh maddie patreon we have two maddie patreons just sent a, a nice article about uh how everyone important is gonna die that's not really it it's uh <laughs> the big one is coming what will happen to portland so here's something wild the earthquakes uh well they're saying they're predicting the other thing i was i was uh, seeing about this is they're predicting that if there is like a nine, like this, like mega 9.0 earthquake, um, it's the earthquakes could last for like four minutes. <laughs> That's really, really long for an earthquake. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that's, uh, and, and, and you might think like, Oh, things will shake for four minutes. Like it, like it's been the like, longest four minutes of your life. You yeah. Lose your like mind. If, if, a. I equate it a lot like a uh, like a two point earthquake is like a septibus driving past your house really Nobody fast. Knows. 
Just a normal public city bus (laughs) drives past your house really fast, faster than it should. It's going to shake your house. And that's like a 2.0. Like you can kind of feel that. And, and that lasts four to five seconds, like for four to minutes, like, you know, stuff's going to get real. Yeah. So, I mean, Loma, Loma Prieta earthquake. And this, these, this is sort of to some extent comparing apples to oranges um, because Loma Prieta was on the San Andreas fault. That was an eight, three. No, six, nine, six, nine. Way off. off. That was like 90. Was it 89? It was 89. During the World Series. (laughs) It was. I was watching it. Yeah, me too. I'm so old. Yeah. Uh, It lasted uh, between 15 and 20 seconds. Um, And the earthquake in Japan in 2011, nine point whatever, lasted anywhere from four to six minutes. So four to six minutes. Wow. Yeah. It's an insane amount of shaking. That's yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Um, so during those several minutes of shaking, like your buildings are going to be falling down, not even the, the buildings collapsing things inside your building. Like if, for example, like the, it was like something so simple. I saw, I never even thought about it because all three of us grew up on the East coast of the U S. So, you know, we never really, experience earthquakes and the one earthquake that i did experience in virginia i thought there was a gas explosion or something like that i thought that's that's what the uh <laughs> the shaking was yeah, like, your run-of-the-mill explosion yeah yeah it's uh, <laughs> just a transformer blowing we're good well it was uh, so but, i was i was in new brunswick up in north jersey and my office at the time <clears throat> was in a trailer and I thought it was a truck going by until like you could feel the swaying from it. And I remember like, you know, when it first started, I was like, ah, oh, just, you know, something big rolling by. And then like, you could sort of feel the trailer swaying. And I remember like looking out the door of my office to my neighbor across the hall. And she looked at me and I was like, is it, is that what I think it is? And she was like, I think so. Um, and then she kind of laughed at me because I was like, this is awesome. But she was from Turkey, so she had experienced <laughs> like, her You house. have no idea, son. <laughs> yeah. 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 Tur- so, Turkey, for those of you who are listening, has the uh, Anatoly Fault, which is a huge fault. There's lots, lots and lots of earthquakes in Turkey. Yeah. So one of the things that I was, I was looking at or, uh, you know, that I, I was re- reading about was that and like I said, it just never even dawned on me because I've always been an East Coaster my whole life. It's just if you live in one of these earthquake zones, you don't want to stack anything up high, like like a high bookshelf or something like that, because there's just more chances of during the earthquake, like stuff like falling and toppling on you. It'd and, be really bad for us with our rock collections hanging on the wall. Yeah. Oh, could you just <laughs> indoor avalanche? Uh, I no, just imagine, but Jesse, so imagine I have this picture of Jesse keeping all of his rocks up in his attic, and like <laughs> the earthquake jostling them loose and just like Indiana Jones style coming, down, coming down his stairwell. <laughs> so uh, believe it or not, there there's a company that makes this stuff. It's called like earthquake putty. And it's for exactly that. It's for things like China cabinets. It's instead of just like these plastic 
you know, things that hold your plates. It's actually putty that'll hold it and keep holding it during an earthquake so that it won't fall off. So they actually make this stuff and sell it in places like California to essentially keep your stuff in place during an earthquake. Wow. Yeah. This is all these like things that just live on the East coast. You, you never No, but uh, never you're right. Like, obviously I'm not going to stick every single yeah, book looking, in a bunch yeah, of, I'm goo. looking at where you're sitting right now, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You have all books, these books, like yeah. textbooks all <laughs> next to you. Nope. Um, that's going to be a hazard. If there's an earthquake, you're going to get hit in the head with uh, some, yeah, some textbooks true. there. Because my, my bed is right but, here next to my flannel cast podcasting uh, desk. So we have a little Murphy up. bed that pops out next. You wake <laughs> up and you I, I wish I just sleep on the ground like a hobo. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, um, so we're talking about all this, this formatting from earthquakes, Ooh, you know, yeah. how. That doesn't even, that makes no sense. I don't know. Just do the commercial. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. That was a brilliant smooth, segue. Smooth. Uh, I'd like to take this smooth segue and thank our <laughs> podcasting super awesome Patreon, which is the formatting formula. So our sponsor, formatting formula, uh, www.formattingformula.com or YouTube forward slash C forward slash formatting formula uh, who takes care of all of your word document formatting needs anything honestly from formatting a thesis to actually customizing your toolbar at the top of your word toolbar essentially they can customize it for all your different needs that you you do normally and or all the way up to like regulatory documents that need to be formatted in a very, very specific way in order to submit them. Formatting formula can help you out. Um, my, my path is usually just to send it to formatting formula and they fantastically make it work. Or they actually have a ton of YouTube videos where you can teach yourself, which is at formatting formula or YouTube forward slash C forward slash formatting formula, where you can learn all different kinds of, formatting stuff uh they have it for mac and bc and different versions of word and so thank you very much formatting formula for sponsoring this podcast we really 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 appreciate it all right thank you steve yeah and thanks for formatting volcanoes apparently and earthquakes formatting formula yeah chris (laughs) <laughs> it sounded better in my head and then when it, once it came out of my, my mouth i was like oh, i'm an idiot like <laughs> um all right so the one thing about the seattle area is that there's a lot of buildings that were constructed before we knew about plate tectonics and like i said before plate tectonics we just thought that that was uh uh kind of like a seismically quiet area before we understood plate tectonics plate tectonics was still going on (laughs) yeah what what did i say you you said before before plate tectonics as if plate tectonics uh, didn't start the 60s or something yes (laughs) well i just i want to be clear that like plate tectonics has always been going on but before we had an understanding how about (laughs) that only started understanding it's like schrodinger's it's like the cat it only started once we started observing it yeah 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 that cat was doomed. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I'm still alive. There's... Are you? <laughs> Not for long. 
<laughs> there's um, a lot of buildings are not, they're just, they're not even like bolted down to the foundation. They're just sitting on top of the foundation. And the only thing that's keeping them there is in place is gravity. So there's actually services out there that I was seeing. They'll actually kind of uh, make your house a little more up to date in terms of the, uh, the earthquake codes and basically fasten your house down to the foundation. So, but that's, that's a, you know, that's a scary thing. Cause the, you know, uh, they, they, now they have earthquake codes and, and things like that for building. But when this stuff was going up, it was just like, whatever, you know, or some of these <laughs> older buildings, at least it wasn't, it wasn't like the building codes we had in, in California. Oh, that's, the episode that's a, on. That's a very good point. Cause I, there, there's been this old house episodes about that, like how they can retrofit your house to become more earthquake proof. Um, but you know, that, that goes with a lot of different building codes in that, you know, uh, electrical codes, plumbing codes, uh, insulation codes, you know, you, you can, you can always make yourself safer, I guess, as we more, yeah. more information comes out. Yeah. So, all right. The next thing we got to worry about the 9.0 earthquake rips, uh, and whatever, the older buildings most likely are, are really getting hammered. Um, and those are going to be the ones that could potentially fall apart. Uh, I know there's a uh, old bridges, uh, you know, basically infrastructure can start falling apart. Some of the, like, some of that older stuff. Um, so that's occurring. And then if, then you have the tsunami coming. So if there is a tsunami that comes, there's, a little bit of a silver lining. There's never any silver lining when a when a giant tsunami comes comes you know roaring at you. But the one good thing about this location is that, is that it is a little bit topographically higher, so you can expect like a ten to fifteen meter tsunami coming uh, coming off of this earthquake, uh, and so. Because the area is, it's, it's, you know, topographically rugged, you could say the tsunami is going to be, it's going to stick mostly towards the rivers. All right. It's going to get, get pushed up, up towards the rivers. Um, but still, you know, you gotta, the, the tsunami to me is, has always been like, like I said earlier in the podcast, the, uh, that's the scariest of them all because there's just so many different ways to die during a tsunami. You got to imagine if you're. <laughs> So say you, you do live in a house that's that's kind of closer to, to one of the rivers in the area and the earthquake hits and what if you're pinned down under some debris or something like that? You know, you're still alive, but you know, something something fell on top of you and, and, and you're stuck. And then the wave comes in and or you know, I, I'm sure like I've always said, like uh you get, get live through one of these earthquakes and you're probably a little like you're a little out of it. You're just like you're in shock. You're like, what the heck just happened? You know, but they figure there you have about 20, 20 minutes or so of warning of heads up or you bet uh, a 20 minute gap between when that earthquake occurred and when the tsunami comes. So you figure if it is a four minute earthquake, you got 16 minutes now after the shaking's done, you got 16 minutes to head to higher ground. But the one biggest the one big issue that they are very concerned about in terms of the tsunami that could potentially come uh, from, from this potential earthquake is 
that a lot of the bridges in this area are older. And if you have, if we have, if we have infrastructure like uh, that's destroyed, people aren't going to be able to get in their cars and drive to, to the higher ground. You're going to have to try to get to higher ground by foot. Or the other thing that I always think about is if you got, say you got 15 minutes to get to higher ground, you're not the only person trying to get to higher ground. No, Everybody is jumping in their cars. And that's the the one thing I've always wondered about is, you know, what do you do in that? You know, I guess you just got to see what's happening. And if if it's just gridlock traffic, then the pirate is better off running. Running. Yeah. 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 If if it gets to that point, you got to run up, run uphill, run uphill as fast as you can. Yeah. And, you know, if you have you to got, get, you got to get the higher ground. That's the only yep. only thing you can do is just get the higher ground. Yeah. So if you're if you're uh, ever ever anywhere on a coastline, and all of a sudden the ocean goes away, you run. You run uh, as fast as you can. Yeah. yeah. And you run it uphill. Might be too late. Yeah. Uh, no, that's not true. If you see the water going out, and you're you're in a somewhat steep terrain you can run uphill fast enough i yeah. think yeah to save yourself okay, okay or yeah if if you're if you're not near high ground within i don't know a couple minutes run you find find a sturdy tall building and hope it doesn't get yeah, yeah. away yeah exactly so but but honestly that can save your life just running you know there there's indigenous people in you know in the like near sumatra where their population did very very well during the 2004 tsunami because they've had traditions passed down from generation to generation where if the sea goes away you run you run as fast as yeah. you can you run uphill and, and and it it saved a lot of indigenous people and i mean that's <clears throat> and that's that's the story you always hear here and i don't know if it's apocryphal or not <clears throat> during the alaskan earthquake in 64 64 yeah yeah it generated 64. a tsunami which um one of the places that were struck were were uh, hawaii oh, yeah. and mm. <clears throat> the, the story is that um the water receded and there was there was a school right on the water and, and the kids all ran out because the fish were flopping around on the exposed exposed seabed. And that's the thing, like <clears throat> it's unusual because it, it the drawback, you know, the drawdown is, is pretty great. And so fish are flopping around and the sea floor is exposed. So people run out to sort of poke around and take a look at it. And the next thing you know, the water rushes back in. And that's yeah, that's, that's, that's bad. No bueno. So, so the, uh, I was. Oh, go ahead. No, what were we gonna say? I was gonna tell like a kind of a uh, a side story, but what were you oh. gonna say? I was gonna talk about the 1700 Cascadia tsunami. Oh, you, you got some info on that? Well, yeah. So, like, the, like you were saying, the last major quake was 300 years ago, 320, um, and it was anywhere from what do we say 8.7 to 9.2 something like that um, uh, i didn't give oh. any numbers on the on the magnitude so it's right around nine that's the and approximation yeah because yeah, there's people that do paleo seismicity and 
which is sort of really interesting um, how they can piece that together. Um, but I mean, you can look at things like you can see the fault scarp. So you can see where the ground shifted and you can measure the amount of displacement and sort of back calculate the energy needed to do, to do that. Um, but it, this 1700 quake generated a tsunami. And so in the Pacific Northwest at the time, um, it, it was only, um, the the indigenous it was mainly or the majority was the indigenous populations and um they passed down you know they have an oral history of it and you know reconstructions from those oral traditions or oral stories show that like the communities that were wiped out were all essentially uh, at elevations lower than 75 feet so it gives you some idea of of the height of the tsunami from that event. Wow. Um, the the written record of it and, and the reason we sort of know about it outside of just these um, oral stories is from Japan, when the tsunami struck Japan from that event. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah. All the way across the Pacific Ocean. Yeah, it was sort of back... Back pieced, back piece. That's the thing. Uh, piece, piece back together because there was no shaking, and then just all of a sudden they were sort of hit. They with got this, these increased waves. Yeah, surge of water. Yo, well, one of the estimates that I saw, I didn't, I didn't say this. Would uh, I thought I, after, but after hearing what you were saying, uh, I, I'll, I'll say it. Uh, one of the estimates that I was reading about how big the tsunami could be from the Cascadia uh, subduction zone was like a hundred feet tall. Yeah. I mean, that's not, that's no, I mean, that's 30 that's meters. I mean, it's insane. It would be very, Oh no, yeah. Yeah. It's but huge. It's not unreasonable. That's essentially what, isn't that the um, peak though, that, that they think could be generated by a tectonic event. I don't know. I mean, that's what Banda, that's what Sumatra was. It was right. 30 meters, right? Yeah. Was it that big? Yeah, I think uh, so. I, I mean, off the top of my head. I mean, uh, from a meteorite impact, it could be much, much larger. But oh, that, that's yeah, it could be a thousand feet tall from a meteorite impact. Right. But um, yeah, uh, that's you got a hundred foot wall of water coming at you. That's you know, yeah. come at me, bro. <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> um. Wow, it for the uh no, this isn't the right one. So oh yeah. So for the twenty the twenty eleven uh Japanese earthquake, they think some of uh, the tsunami waves in some some spots could have reached as high as 40.5 meters, which is 133 feet. What? Holy cow. What? Yeah. Now, granted, this is off the Wikipedia page. That That's reading, insane. But, um, wow. That's if that's true. That's that's big. <laughs> I I wouldn't even. Uh, wow. That is. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, 
I like this. Uh, who who sent that link of that uh, the the tsunami dome or the, the tsunami ball to? Uh, oh, that was me. The tsunami in. pod. Yeah. yeah, the tsunami pod. So okay, yeah, Jesse. Oh, that was you that said that in the chat. Jesse has this link for this tsunami pod, and it's uh, I guess what you you get the tsunamis coming. You jump in it and just uh, it rolls you around like a bowling ball while the, the yeah. waves just take you away. That's apparently. So let's, Let's talk about this. Uh, uh, and I guess it's it's reinforced, so it's got some strength to it. Not, uh, these, the main concern is you're not. These things were popular. So it's like, what did it say? $13,000 for one of these things? Something like that. That that sounds about Let's right. Uh, 13500 for a tsunami survival capsule. Just buy an RV um, and go live in the interior of the U.S. <laughs> yeah let's let's i i want to make some comments about this uh tsunami pod uh number one uh is it buoyant i think so i think that's yeah. thing sinks but it's it's watertight so you you're relying on bottled oxygen yeah yeah exactly that's that was my next but, thing what uh, happens so but how long is the tsunami gonna last yeah, but what if it takes you out and you're rolling around in this thing? And then and there's like a little like it's almost like a like a submarine caps, like a door, like a submarine yeah. door, you know, a little latch that, you know, yeah, opens you're, up you're there. buoyant. What what happens when the water recedes and number one, does it take you out into the ocean if it's buoyant? Probably. When the water recedes, or number two, what happens if the, the capsule when the water recedes? It falls down on the door latch, and now you're stuck in this thing. Oh, I'm sure it's uh, weighted so that the door latch is on top. So you'll always flip up that right side up. What if you get stuck in debris? If you get debris, stuck in that's debris, my main thing. Yes. If you're, yeah. If there's debris all around you, like that yeah. just might be a, a pot of death. I, I don't, I don't, it's, I mean, it's they have the same like thing for tornadoes too. An ejector. <laughs> you can, I've seen them down here in the South. You can buy a little tornado shelter, and it's basically like a like a torpedo tube. You just kind of get in, and it's just strong, and like basically, I don't know, so that the, if the building collapses around you, you'll have a, a fighting chance. But what if the tornado picks it up and just boom, just sends you flying off? You know, two counties it away. It was a projectile. Nope. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just, uh, yeah. Take your chances. Yeah, thirteen grand—that's uh, a lot. Uh, I don't know though, but like, I guess if I had, if I had to live by the, the coast, perhaps. Uh, no. I don't know. I'd probably just take my chances, just run into higher ground. I don't know. I, I, but if I lived in like Tornado Alley, I definitely have probably have a storm cellar. It's true. I, I well, would, it's, uh, you know. I would know where to evacuate to. I would be yes. educated to. Yes, your hazard maps, if you will, your run-up yeah. maps that the USGS produces. Yeah. So the USGS produces actually run-up maps. Like if you're in a valley, they'll they'll predict how far a tsunami would actually run up the valley, so you can know where where the hazard lies. So you can. You can look these things up if you live by the coast, especially on the West Coast, where you have a much greater propensity towards uh, a tsunami, where 
how far up like a 50 foot tsunami would go or something like that. So. So a lot of, uh, a lot of the stuff that I was seeing when I was researching this topic was kind of comparing what could happen to the Pacific Northwest to what did happen to Japan in 2011. Um, so while we're speaking of that, how many nuclear reactors are on the, uh, are there, are, is there any on uh, the, uh, on the coast up there in the, that's a great know, question. Not. That is a great question. I don't, I want to say yes, but I don't know how many. Let's and see. the, uh, uh, just like, uh, Fukushima Daiichi, the, the proximity to the coast has to do with, you know, they need a lot of water for the cooling. Mm-hmm. So yeah. what we have here on the East coast, we definitely have a lot like uh Tom's river or uh, peach bottom. We have, well, three mile Island is pretty far inland in Pennsylvania, but. Wow. It looks like there's nothing on the coast from what I'm seeing on the, uh, what website is this? Uh, the nrc.gov what is uh the nuclear regulatory commission the u.s nuclear regulatory commission yeah. uh it doesn't look like there's anything along the coast up in there so that's yeah that's i didn't think i wasn't familiar with any no I, I, the very very first one was in idaho but that's very very far inland yeah this isn't even saying that there's one in idaho maybe it's- uh it was decommissioned like it it was it was commissioned in like the 50s or something and decommissioned a long time ago gotcha gotcha I mean, well, well that's good yeah. that's a <laughs> you don't have to worry about another fukushima incident there <laughs> but uh but yeah so a lot of a lot of these uh from what i was seeing it's comparing to what what could happen to like portland or, or seattle to you know what did happen to japan in 2011 so, well, there you have it. There's the uh, the Cascadia subduction zone. You guys yeah. got any other uh, any other fun topic or fun facts? About, uh, it's very very pretty out there. Yeah, but I've never never been to that part of the country. Very dangerous. I don't know. <laughs> very. Da- <laughs> Just saying. Steve's just shaking his head. Very dangerous. <laughs> um. Well. All right. The uh, there you go, Cascadia subduction zone. So, um, all right, that just about wraps it up for today. Uh, so thank you everyone to uh, who's listened to the podcast today. Uh, if you really enjoy the podcast, if you want to, you want to, if you can help out financially, we have a Patreon website, help cover some of the costs and upgrades and, and things like that. Uh, we have different tiers. Uh, so we have a uh, we have an awesome patreon crew hanging out with us for the podcast today uh said and yeah had a pretty good uh if the hangout before the podcast starts and uh you can send us some you know we have a, the people are talking in the, in the chat and stuff like that while we're uh doing the podcast so it's pretty cool we got a we got a we got a good group of people so thank you for all the people that have helped us out on patreon uh, if you become a uh, uh topaz tiered member you can pick your own topic and we'll We'll uh, we'll cover the topic for you. So um, anything, almost anything. <laughs> um, check us out on the social media stuff, and uh, 
or just uh, we got some merch on geologyflannelcast.com. You can go there, get your uh, Geology Flannel Cast coffee mug. It's uh, it'll make your coffee taste 20% better. We, we guarantee that. So uh, some T-shirts on there, too. Uh, you can get some stickers, some Flannel Cast stickers, um, all that stuff. So all of this can be yours. So uh, thank you very much, everyone that's uh, listened, hung out for the for the episode. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. Thank you so much. Thanks. Jesse was uh, taking us out with. Are we doing uh, under gotta, pressure? We, yeah, we got to go with. Yeah. Under pressure. We will rock you under pressure. Under pressure. All right. That's that's the pick there. So um, thank you. Close podcast friend maddie for uh for um picking that one so all right see you guys later bye 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 thanks for stopping by